Welcome back to another episode of Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Uh, today, David Morrison and I sit down to discuss uh, this idea of a fully lived life, uh, bringing wonderment into our lives, and how we can do that in our sometimes uh, hectic world. But before we get into that, thank you to Diego at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background right now. If you want to learn more about Desert Rain uh, community in general, check out theruin.com. You can also go to drcrpod.com to see any of our past uh, episodes, whether it's from our Dispatches from the Verge series or our Road to Desert Rain series. Uh, If you're enjoying what you hear, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome to Road to Desert Rain. Dispatches from The Verge. Yes. I'm here with David Morrison. How are you doing this morning? I'm copacetic. Yes, sir. <laughs> feeling uh, good. Feeling positive. I'm Dorian Mason. Also feeling positive. Uh, life is good today. So we wanted to, to our, our topic we're shooting for, we're sort of launching the, the arrow out towards the moon, but um, a fully lived life or a well-lived life. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the ether of what you should do or how your life should look like, sort of this American dream idea. Um, And it all kind of started with a conversation you had, what, a week, week ago, week and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, if you want to launch, launch from that conversation and sort of get us primed for this conversation. See where it might lead us here. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I probably should preface how, the long-term families here have uh, reared their children over the years. Um, yeah. You know, we we kind of, I mean, we didn't intentionally decide. I guess we did. I don't know. We didn't discuss it. But we all just kind of did not indoctrinate our children in the Christian faith. But rather, it was an open discussion. Right. I don't know if that's right or if that's wrong. Well, it seems to be um, an ongoing discussion. Yeah. Even as into their adulthood. Right. Yeah. For sure. And so I, I don't know. We did. Uh, there's, you know, as a, as a parent, you're always going to second guess yourself. And at least, in you know, for my wife and I, we feel mm-hmm. uh, more like failures than anything else. But anyway, we decided what we decided. And, and, and the way that we conduct our meetings here, uh, we approach was, was not to indoctrinate, mm. uh, but to discuss the scriptures, kind of the, mm-hmm. the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue way. You know, every scripture is open for discussion in, in the Jewish tradition uh, rather right. than these are the creeds, these are the this is what you things have to that do. you will believe. Yeah. And it's funny that the, the Christian churches that reject creeds are the most dogmatic churches <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I've never thought of it from that it's, perspective. It's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. The, the anti-traditional churches are ensconced in more traditional-ism uh, than anyone else. It's, well, it's it, really funny. I mean, I guess the way I would put it, it's just even in layman's terms, they're more black and white. Yeah, yeah. The ones that are trying to get away Actually, from the tradition. Actually, these days they're just white. 
Yeah. <laughs> wow. That could, yeah. That's that, a discussion that, for another right, day. Right. That's, that's another, <laughs> another topic for another day. So, um, so yeah, so an ongoing discussion around the descriptions. Yeah. So, so trying to model the Jewish tradition. Yeah. So, so I guess these, uh, the kids that grew up here are thought, you know, this is how church is. <laughs> and so one of them went off to a, a, an evangelical Christian camp and just, I guess he, he approached it. He, he's, he's in his late teens and he approached it the way he approaches the discussion here. He's like, well, you can come up and challenge anyone and open up a discussion. So he went up right up to the speaker and, and said, well, let me tell you what I think, you know? And, uh, and so in his telling of the story, uh, the, the speaker basically told him, uh, and in his impression of the speaker, well, that sounds like heresy. <laughs> You're a heretic. <laughs> That's blasphemy. And, uh, and so I guess the conversation did not go well. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and, 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 and the young guy was disappointed that, uh, uh, that you can't have these open conversations. Well, and I think those a, context. a good thing to plug here too is he's a smart kid. Yeah. Like he's yeah. not, he's, you know, from the conversations I've had with him, it's not like he's going to go up there and just try to do some nonsense. No, no, he wasn't being a, a trickster like right. me. He was, no, he was, he thought this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. These things are open discussions uh, <laughs> kind of thing. And, <laughs> and it wasn't well received. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not, he's not that smart because he wants to become an English teacher. So, you know. <laughs> What's well, he wants to follow in his, his mentor David Morrison's footsteps. Exactly. So he can't be that smart. <laughs> Me being anyone's mentor is not a smart move for your life. But anyway, um, yeah. And so, so you know, we got onto the the topic of what is blasphemy and what is uh, um, heresy. And so, uh, so we kind of came up with a definition in our conversation so heresy isn't so much uh the wrong incorrect beliefs about god but it's more heresy is is more of using any philosophy or religion or ideology to dehumanize people mm. or to violate uh exploit the uh the creation uh that that's for us anyway a working definition of of heresy and what heretics do. So most of them are CEOs and uh, large corporations. <laughs> right. That I mean, that's, yeah, that's an easy example to point yeah. to. And then blasphemy isn't uh, saying mean things about God Almighty, uh, but it's it's more, uh, and, and, and John O'Donohue and others have said this, uh, blasphemy is more the unlived life mm. of, of having, of, of being given a life and you choose to uh, disintegrate into fear rather than uh, faith, I guess. Uh, I mean, in a very broad term, not right, specific. Of course. Uh, and yeah, not entering in, not participating and not showing up in your own life. Uh, and then, and then being on your deathbed and you were, you were have all these regrets. Yeah. And maybe you were present for 10 minutes mm. of your entire life. Uh, but you you never showed up, right? What's well, it's it's so to going to the 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 blasphemy part, and this is just a side story. It's not that's so important, but I can remember 
so the the my first sponsor, his name was Marco, and he was talking about he couldn't get sober. Mm-hmm. He said he went into the bathroom one time and out loud yelled as loud as he could. He said to the edge of the universe, "Why the fuck can I get sober, wow. God?" And use the F word. The prayer of desperation. And I share. I'll share that with people, and you can see people when you use the F word and God together. Some of them will tense up like, you can't pray to God like that. But it's the most honest prayer. (laughs) Exactly. He's not your church going grandma. (laughs) It's not God. And so to me, it's like any any heartfelt prayer, whether it's a prayer of desperation, a prayer of joy, a prayer of of even, you know, sometimes even, you know, that indifference can be, you know, like a part of your feeling or your being. Yeah. But if it's a heartfelt prayer to God, regardless, of the God can handle my words, right? If God created the the universe and <laughs> yeah. the and the you know my my little four letter words aren't going to offend God, um, but it am I doing a heartfelt prayer, right? You know, and so that was that that came to mind when you said it. You know, I don't remember your exact words, but saying saying a bad word towards God, yeah, you know, we've you're going to survive that. I mean, on the popular level, what usually happens in any kind of philosophy, religion, faith, tradition, it doesn't matter. When it when it's at the popular level, it, it tends to become very watered down and cheap. And so this idea mm. of, uh, uh, like, for example, the first commandment uh, in Judaism, uh, you know, Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, people think it, it doesn't, don't take the Lord God, uh, the name in vain. And so people think that means not to swear or not to, you know. Right, which for most of my life, that's what I thought it meant. Yeah, and that's that's the cheapest version of the entire idea. Uh, the idea is don't even approach the holy. Don't approach mm. the mystic. Don't approach the, the uh, uh, unseen divine with any kind of thought that you understand anything. <laughs> that's, that's the idea behind it. Uh, Keep your mouth shut and 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 have reverence and have awe and uh, and so that's that's really the idea not not your language mm-hmm. and that kind of thing so which maybe for some will feed it you know feed in, feeds into that idea but to to put that on other people the the idea of of your language is going to to damn you right right like yeah. for some people that might feed into this idea of being in awe of the holy right right. Um, but it's not it, at least in my opinion, it's not the end all be all. Yeah. Yeah. Or or people that think it's a moral issue. That, mm. you know, so that's that's actually a pitfall in the spiritual life. Uh I don't I don't use foul language, so therefore I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. And and those people over there, they use rough, crude language, so they're uh obviously not close to God. Mm-hmm. So boom, you're you're congratulations, you're a Pharisee. And in your efforts to be in the in club, you're in the out club now. Uh, and so, well, that and this so this kind of goes back to our relationship. Um, you you've shared before that when when we first met, you thought I was like I didn't cuss and like all these. I thought you were pretty straight laced. Yeah. <laughs> right. Account, you were an accountant. Yeah, I was for doing God's bookkeeping sake. for for churches. <laughs> I was like accountants don't have senses of humor. And I've tried to <laughs> I've tried to think about this, and I think. I went for about, I think it was about a year, it was a year to two years where I stopped cussing because I wanted to see, I wanted to do an experiment to kind of what you're saying, like, am I going to be a more holy person if I don't cuss? And after however long it was, it was like, oh, I'm still the same person. 
yeah. whether I say the F word or not. Yeah, so you it get a sticker. It didn't change anything. You get a little sticker that says, I'm more moral than other people, <laughs> than non-cussers. And that's what you get. That's your reward. You get a, you get a sticker. Yeah, so, but anyway, so so to not go down that path too far, right, but yeah. sort of shifting back to this idea of um, of heresy. Yeah. Right, of, of um, well, I guess both of them, right? Putting both of them together. Blasphemy of, of not li- not living, not being present to your life, right? And then um, heresy of, of um, either uh, using ideologies to minimize people or to yeah. take advantage of them. Or, or you might be on the other side of that. You might be, have bought into some ideology that has suppressed yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and you don't, and you don't know quite how to, to, to scoot out from under it. And so I guess, I guess uh, to start off with is just, how would you, you know, what would your quick pitch be of, of this being present to life? What, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Uh, well, let me start more broad. Mm-hmm. So we're basically talking about the intersection of several things, right? Mm-hmm. We're at the crossroads of several things. So, so one would be, uh, and I think we've talked about this before, sobriety and awakening mm-hmm. uh, to life. Um, not using a you know alcohol or, or chemical to to numb yourself from to disconnect experiencing from life, life. Right. yeah uh, so sobriety is one of them uh, like you mentioned the American dream of mm-hmm. that that's a part of it you know and it's not just the American dream Europeans and Africans and uh, well yeah we've from exported, the Congo have the same well we've exported <laughs> it to Asia and Africa yeah. like you know this this uh, Get more, be more productive. Yeah, uh, you know, make a buck um, has been exported at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I just I can't imagine a a a, pe- a, a a peasant from ancient Egypt getting up in the morning and saying, "I love being a peasant." <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I think yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's human potentiality. I guess okay. would be. Uh, yeah, I guess that would be in the wellness you know, industry that we have today. Uh, Christian salvation mm. is, is an intersection here. Uh, in Hinduism, it would be the the spiritual process of becoming, uh, you know, a wanderer and then a homeowner and then a holy person. Uh, a Buddhist would be a, to have an awakened, an awakened mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judaism would be becoming a Minsk, uh, a, a righteous person. And so, so we're kind of, Sloppily going through all of that's right. What yeah, it's we're it's talking about. Yeah, here. right. Okay, um, I think that's a good a great way to preface it because this is a universal struggle that people have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so I, and I forgot the original question. <laughs> well, just this, what is this, a fully lived life? Come yeah, on. being pre- fully present yeah. to life. What 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 does that when you hear those words? What 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 does that invoke within you? Well, being. An American growing growing up in America, uh, it was definitely genetically encoded. I have to be an exceptional person, and I have to be the best at whatever it is that I choose to be. And being a a good Irish Catholic family, it was what God has called me to be. Mm. So you have to always find this this calling, uh, or find out what God's a plan is for your life. And so that was that. But that stuff failed me, which was. I think part of the process that stuff does need to fail you. Yeah, I, yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Yeah, 
and and so for me it's 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 awakening and there are and you can have several awakenings and uh i believe you need you know this is a a highly charged phrase now unfortunately but to be born again Mm. and uh but but i think you need to be born again every chance you get Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah i would argue that as well yeah the the new testament scriptures speak of the holy spirit renewing your mind with the mind of christ day by day and so it's a it's a new awakening every day and so so in these later years for me being fully alive being fully present is is being present to this moment Mm -hmm. the present moment so if you're uh, if you ate too much fiber and you're having an uncomfortable, <laughs> shitty time on the toilet, that is the purpose of your life. It literally is at that moment. Yeah. And it's just as important as whatever it is else you think. And so you treat each moment in that with that sacredness um, and, and allow yourself to experience whatever it is that you're experiencing. Uh, you know, we're, we're terrified of being too hot or too cold mm-hmm. in, in, the, in our society today. Uh, you know, or being hungry, you know, oh my God, I can't be hungry. I can't miss, you know, these, these kinds of things or any kind of slight pain. Uh, and so, but sometimes you need to allow yourself to just experience what you're experiencing at that moment mm-hmm. and, uh, and let it, let it move through you. Well, you know, and I, I know you and I have brought it up multiple times on the podcast. So pardon my redundancy, but yeah. you know, that before enlightenment, you know, what is it? Chop wood and carry water. Yeah, do after, the dishes. Or... Yeah, after enlightenment, chop wood and carry water. And, um, you know, for me, I, I think there's been a shift since I moved out here in the last three years. It's just like, like you're saying, like whatever, what, you know, when I'm at my best, I don't do it all the time. I, I fall short. But being present to, you know, whether it's, you know, doing programming you know, code development, trying to be present to that. I'm not good at that. Trying to be, you know, when I wash dishes, I don't like washing dishes. So I want to listen to a podcast or music and distract myself, but can I be present to the dishes? You know what I mean? When, um, these conversations, right. Right. And, and not when the mic's on, right. When the mic's off to be intentional with your conversations. Yeah. And so, uh, and I fall, I fall short. So I I guess, you know, and, and we've covered it before, but you know, how does one in the hectic world, right? Not everyone lives in the middle of the desert no. in, in a relatively quiet place. In a hectic world, what do you do to be present to your life? Yeah, I think you could do this. I've seen people do this on uh, where they're completely incapacitated on in their bedroom, on their bed, mm. most of the hours of the day. I've met people like that, and they've uh, in the, and in those last twilight years, they've become their true selves, if you will or the Christ within them. Um, and, and they're more alive. So, so, the, so a fully lived life, most, most listeners are hearing, I have to go accomplish something extraordinary, exceptional. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Uh, because I've seen people uh, in hospice, for example, mm-hmm. who are uh, you know just dying on their beds, but they're praying for the life of the world. And they're giving themselves fully to that as they lie there, uh, in, in some cases, their their mental capacities are gone already, mm-hmm. and then they're but they're this pure presence in that sense. Uh, it's one woman I remember. Uh, 
I, it was so crazy. She had a, a mirror, and they'd lived in this house for, I think, 50 years. And, and I was sitting at her bedside, and, and she was just rambling in prayers and just, you know, praying through her pain. Praying, you know, her mind was already in dementia. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a door that opened that had a mirror behind it. I don't, I don't remember, but I clearly saw uh, a figure of Jesus sitting there oh, wow. uh, in the mirror just watching over her. And, and there was a sense of the, the divine presence in her room. And so she was more fully alive than someone who needed to climb Mount Everest for a selfie, uh, for a, uh, you know, for a cool five hundred grand or whatever it cost those. Yeah, it's probably more than, more than that, more than that. <laughs> uh, or 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 maybe a, a more a ride to uh, the outer atmosphere of the Earth and call yourself an astronaut. <laughs> no one's doing that right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> so, what are you uh, What are you talking rather about? Rather than paying your workers. <laughs> yeah, right. Rather, yeah. rather than giving them uh, a, a, time livi- a living wage that they yeah. can go use the restroom, yeah, <laughs> so they don't exactly. have these bottles. So, so yeah. So who's more fully alive? So mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm talking about. Well, and I think. Um, I think it's both things too, because I think there are instances where people um, have been able to go out and accomplish things, and that has has give them the ability to learn to be present to life. Yeah, like I said, I think this is a spiritual issue. Yeah, I think it's a you know it's an awakening of the soul that that has to happen and. And, and I'm, I think we've talked about this. I, I don't think you need to give yourselves. If you feel like you do, then do it. But, uh, but for me personally, it's it's been more beneficial. Uh, I think I think it's a Tibetan Buddhist idea to take uh, many glimpses, many different glimpses, small glimpses of the divine all day long, mm. rather than doing a one time thing a year. You know, where I'm going to go. A get my spiritual house in order, and mm. uh, and I'm gonna go, you know, uh, to a you know a retreat or something like that. Uh, I, I think it's for me anyway. It's been more valuable to do small glimpses all day long, wherever I'm at. And so, yeah, like you said, if you're in a busy office, there's always something interesting going on somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, <laughs> you know, or or step out of the you know even in a in an urban area, there's there's squirrels running around. There's, uh, you know, there's trees. Trees are very interesting in the city. Uh, you know, uh, go sit under it for five minutes. You yeah. know, go eat your lunch under it or something like that. Well, it's it's fun, especially like in the the city context when they're like revitalizing a street and they plant, you know, they plant these relatively young trees. Yeah. And I, I always in those instances is like, is that enough room? For that tree to grow over the next fifty years, yeah, like how much, <laughs> like how much damage is that tree going to cause if they let it grow right, like grow yeah. to its full of potential? Which they won't, right? right It'll get right. cut down when, once it starts knocking out the concrete or the asphalt yeah. or whatever, changing the the street lights <laughs> right, <laughs> with yeah. its roots. Yeah, making it's it. a trickster tree. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, one of one of the things uh, to go back to that those small glances, right? And, yeah, I just thought of one. Go for it. Because you're, you're talking about, you know, what about these shitty places in the world? And that's what drew me to the to go to the prison. Because mm. if I couldn't find or encounter the presence and goodness of Christ in that shitty place, 
then what good is my faith? That that was kind of my motivation. That was your intention. For wanting to go to uh, the prison. Because I have nothing to offer. I'm going to go take Jesus to the prison. You know, then right. give me a break. Jesus is already there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and so, you know, I was there for a couple times a week, I think uh, for almost seven years. And and there was one program that, that – I don't think we got, and this is a horrible place. This is in the middle of the desert between Deming and here. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's a state prison. It's in the middle of nowhere. You've been there. Uh, multiple times. Yeah, yeah, Fun place, huh? Yeah. And, and I was there alone a couple of nights, and, uh, and, and this program ran late to like 1030. Okay. And so it was late at night, and I'm mm-hmm. walking through the corridor, and, you know, and they'd, the, you know, people, are, I guess, are more relaxed at night or something. And, yeah, and so, you, so you'd wait there for, you know, Oh, you be, I think, I think. You could be stuck in a corridor yeah. outside waiting for them to unlock the door mm-hmm. uh, for a good half an hour. And you're just stuck in this, empty, you know, outside, you know, the inmates are already heading for bed and you're yeah. standing outside in this desert environment. Well, one day I was in that situation and I, and I looked up and right on the, I, I think it was, Either razor wire or it was just the a power cord. I don't I don't remember, but it was in the corridor, and there were like a hundred uh, mud uh, swallows. Oh wow! Just lined up, you know, asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within grasp, you know, and it was just an amazing thing, you know. Even in in places like this, there's there's goodness and there's uh, you know nature there. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so I was kind of hoping they would forget. A little while longer, you know, to unlock the doors. So you could hang out with these birds, yeah. Just be there with the with the mud swallows. To hear that, you know, that buzzing, and the door opens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the, when you first said that, the the thing that came to mind for me is uh, in the recovery world, we talk about you know t- just twenty four hours, right? Like just yeah, one just day to, at a time. Yeah, yeah. one day at a time. Just this daily reprieve and. And um, what does our spiritual we we toss around the word spiritual maintenance, right? But the, to me, it's the same sort of thing. Like if I'm looking for the divine throughout the day, that's a way for me to to be um, cultivating the spiritual yeah, maintenance, yeah. right? So whether it's meditation, uh, whether it's it's uh, prayer, you know, sort of these like idea you know ideas that are sort of typical for that yeah um but you know what you're saying witnessing nature yeah whatever's um, in front of you yeah. yeah being of service to to your neighbor you know or, or you know if you're in a you're in a really good spot one day you know your enemy you know whatever that yeah. means you know and, and how do we cultivate these um tiny glimpses yeah um because sometimes we have to be pro sometimes i have to be proactive about it and sometimes it's presented to me where it's like, oh, like, this is what I need to do right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it also has to do with uh, gratitude, of, of intentionally cultivating thanksgiving and gratitude. Mm. What I call the Eucharistic life, which Eucharist, you know, literally means thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So you live this as a life. And and, and I think I think uh, it needs to, you, we have to be intentional and disciplined about it. Because usually when we think of thanksgiving in affluent Areas of the world, we think of it's. I'm a. Flu- I'm thankful for my possessions, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful for my comforts. And uh, but there needs to be a transition again from that cheap, uh, 
uh, shallow level to mm. a deeper gratitude. And one for me is is uh, it's it's kind of a talk I give myself or a realization mm-hmm. that I let myself sit in, which is I, I don't have the power to grant my own next breath. That's how much power mm-hmm. I have. I don't even have the power to grant my next breath. Uh, but the next breath could come from a well of gratitude. So what if I was grateful for the current breath I'm on and then the following breath and then the next breath and mm-hmm. the next breath, and then it all becomes uh, a gift and everything becomes grace. Everything becomes the gift of God from God uh, shimmering around me. And so that's that's kind of how I've learned to uh, to cultivate Thanksgiving, you know. And, well, and I, and I think, too, it's important, at least I remember for me, this this idea of, of gratitude was very foreign to me, you know, until 13, 14, 15 years ago. And early on, sort of the beginning point, I guess this is my point, the beginning point of gratitude are those surface level things. You know, right. the, the fact that I, I have shoes on my feet or yeah. I have a... a you know, like summertime, right? I have a cool place to sleep, right. you know, and, and it started there for me until I could sort of go to those next level. You know what I mean? Great, grateful for having parents in my life that, that helped, you know, show me the ways of the world, you yeah. know, until sort of where, you know, to the level you're talking about it, just like, oh, I'm grateful for this breath. I'm grateful for this heartbeat. Yeah. You know, even right now you can, we probably the mics aren't picking it up, but we can hear birds yeah, outside yeah. chirping, and it's like, doing oh, their it's, thing. It's you know, it's such a beautiful sound, um, you know, and that that doesn't come naturally for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I tend to not notice the birds, right? And so when I do notice it, um, for me that that it, it's it's a cool moment, you know. Yeah. Um. So to to sort of transition to this other idea. And and maybe what it it looks like, or or um, what what an individual or a small community can do about it. But this this idea of in the definition that you laid out of heresy, right? Of of taking advantage of of people yeah. through an ideology or um, belittling someone because of the way they live their life, right? So, something of that nature, and and. So maybe if you could give a couple examples of how you've witnessed that, of this idea, yeah. this definition of heresy that you're laying out, and um, you know, proactive things that that you and I or anyone listening could could step towards. Yeah, I, I, I guess if you look at the backdrop of the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures, the context is empire. Mm. That's that's what they're talking about. Right. So, so empire slash civilization, which isn't very civil, uh, versus uh, what Owen Barfield would call the original participation. Uh, and what does that mean? It, it meant uh, humankind living as nature, participating in the life of the world, mm. seeing yourself as something that's alive just as a bird is alive mm-hmm. rather or a tree. Than, yeah mm-hmm. rather than organizing into power structures mm-hmm. and possessions and and you see this in early well in Genesis for sure and you see it in in the epic of Gilgamesh one of the earliest uh 
texts mm-hmm. known. Uh, the earliest writing gives an example too. The earliest piece of writing that has been found was accounting of how many cows were owned. <laughs> and so that tells see, so that tells you something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so empire is what uh dehumanizes the human race. And then it starts classifying slaves and free people, uh classes of people, uh tiers of people. Tiers almost. of people and, and then and it's organized by possessions and comforts and that kind of thing. And and so that's that's what the the Jews were grappling with. How can we be a free nomad, originally nomadic people, mm. in the context of these empires? Okay. And then the the early church. How can we uh, present a new economy and a new way of looking at humanity, where there is no slave, there is no free, there is no male or female, like Paul's wrote in Galatians, uh, which disrupted the Roman Empire at the mm. time, which was, it was very much into power classes uh, and that kind of thing. And, and so, 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 so that, so it begins there where uh, that's, that's what we're, we're talking about is how do we uh, rehumanize, I guess, human beings. And, uh, and of course the, the climate conversation today is, mm. is all about that. Right. Uh you know, the planet's on fire, but at least the shareholders, you know, at least their percentages are going up, right. you know, and they could fly to another planet after this one burns down. <laughs> and, and so, so that's what, that's what we're basically talking about. Um, and then in a little bit smaller between in nations, a great example would be the South African uh, apartheid, uh, apartheid or, or the aftermath of it, the, okay, the, okay, the, okay. the reconstruction that's not the word they use, though. They they had a different uh, the the reorganization of their government when when Nelson Mandela became president, and then the theologians got together. I, I think it was uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I, I believe it was the theology of reconciliation. Well, that yeah, I think I, I think that was the yeah, name yeah. they used. Well, and I don't remember the theology part, but it's definitely the. Um it leaned heavily on this idea of forgiveness and reconciliation. Yeah. And so part of that conversation was they refused to call someone that had committed atrocities. They refused to call that person a monster Mm. or to demonize them because then they don't have to take responsibility for what they did. Well, I'm a monster. That's what monsters do. Uh, And then I don't have to have any responsibility in in seeing their, you know, taking part in their real rehabilitation or reconciliation because they're a monster. You kill monsters. Well, and, so, and, and that even goes back full circle to what you said earlier about um, going in to visit people that are incarcerated. Right. Like yeah. this, for me, the powerful shift is when, you know, because you, you call people that are locked up, you call them criminals or right. felons or, yeah. um, even even inmates, you know, you put that tag so that that differentiates yeah, we me other from them. them. But when I start using the word, and, I, and that's what I do today, people that are incarcerated, yeah, people that are you know in prison, and and it's a soft reminder for myself and an important one of first and foremost, they're people, yeah. And so, how do I show up for people, yeah, know, regardless exactly. of what you know where they're at you know, what they've done, kind of like what you're talking about. Yeah. So I think it's word, simple things like that within words um, is super powerful. But anyway, back, yeah. yeah, sorry for 
No, and yeah, and so on the empire level, it's very hard to, you know, I, I don't know personally how can I stop uh, the, the heating up of the environment. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I can't even afford a combustible engine, let alone an electrical. <laughs> so, you know, uh, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And so there are small steps you can take uh, in rehumanizing human being, you know, people around you uh, and, and noticing... Uh, having a reverence, if you will, for the natural world around you. And uh, one that comes to mind, uh, I, I may have the word wrong because, you know, we didn't plan. We, we don't use notes for this. So. Yeah, <laughs> we're shooting from the hips, folks. But, but a while ago, folks. a couple of years ago, probably since I'm 53 now, it was probably 20 years ago. But in my mind, it's two years ago. Right, yeah. Uh, time speeds up when you hit 50. And... Mm. But I remember there was, uh, I don't know who it was, but somebody on the internet was, uh, there's always someone on the internet yeah. doing something. But they were they were coming up with uh, their own words. And I think they came up with a dictionary. I think there's an actual online dictionary of, of these words. And one of them, I think it was called Sondering. I think it was S-O-N-D-E-R-I-N-G, to sonder. Uh, and when you sonder, it means that you're, you, uh, Notice someone in your background of your daily life. You're at a doctor's mm. appointment and there are other, you know, we're all just sitting that awkward weirdness of magazines and daytime television and, and people arguing with the receptionists. Uh, yeah. Trying to get their money back or something. Yeah. Waiting to be called yeah. to the next waiting room, you know, <laughs> the smaller waiting room, the more private one. Uh, and so you're in that, so you're in a, you know, a common situation like that or a bus stop or a store but you pull that person out of the scenery of your of the background of your daily life and you acknowledge for that brief moment that that person that stranger has a life that's just as complex mm -hmm. and has just as much longing for a full life as you do and has a whole set of web of relationships and complexities going on at that moment and so so i think that's an you know when, to sonder to intentionally uh Sonder yeah. in public. I don't know if you can get arrested for saundering in public. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it. I've seen lots of no soliciting signs. I've been asked to leave places because. And I could have the such. word wrong too. I, right, I'm right, not, right. Because, like I said, oh, I didn't. But I think that's an important concept. So, for a long time, or not a long time, but there's there's been seasons of my life where I did that intentionally. Mm -hmm. You know, when I encounter someone, try to look them in the eye. If they have it, you know, especially like in the retail service industry they'll have right. a name tag and try to call them by their name um and i've found in the last few months revisiting that because we're all we all have these masks on right which dehumanizes right. us right because we're covering our face yeah in some ways it's yeah. it, um they're telling us to stand away from each other right which right. is counterintuitive for a communal animal right, right? right. like we're used to having physical contact and, and being in proximity of each other, you know? And so whether, you know, whether it's something simple at a gas station or, or a grocery store, but looking them in the eyes, you know, speaking, saying thank you loud enough because, you yeah. know, the mask muffles us. So it's hard, yeah. sometimes hard to hear what, what's trying to be articulated and, and reconnecting in a small way like that. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, because we do have the, you know, there's less, 
you know, I haven't spent much time in a waiting room over the last year and yeah. a half, right? Because, you know, they, they limit the number of people that can go into places and this and that. And so, right. you know, I think cultivating that is a, it's not easy. If, no, you have to be very intentional. If you had to be intentional before COVID, you have to be even more mm-hmm. intentional now. And in some ways it makes you, it reduces you just to your eye contact. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's made me, because I'm not an eye contact kind of person. Okay. I'm a wild animal. And you don't stare at wild animals in the eyes. <laughs> I've stared at your little Dotson in the eyes before, and he attacked me, <laughs> threatened me, <laughs> just for looking at him straight in the eyes. And so, so it's made me, yeah, because I can't smile. Mm-hmm. And well, you can, but it <laughs> yeah, no one sees your smile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so yeah, so I've had to be much more intentional about making eye contact with people, and it's been good for me mm-hmm. in that sense. So yeah, well, and and you know. I, I, as much as I think it's it's thrown out there as far as this living an intentional life, right? Or being present to the moment, right? Like all those, yeah. they've, they've kind of become in the pop culture ether, you know, in the last yeah, few yeah. years with, with yoga, we, you know, and I think yoga is a good thing and I think right, meditation is yeah. a good thing, but really like leaning into it almost in an uncomfortable way, right? Like yeah, you're not comfortable making eye contact. Right. But you've leaned into the new circumstances of life. And so, you know, so you yeah. do it. Yeah. Instead you know? of kicking and screaming against it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess for me too, it one of the sort of COVID blessings is I have a lot of people in my past that I, I, I really love and at times have felt close to. And so being able to pick up the phone mm-hmm. where I might not yeah. otherwise and just say, hey, how are you doing? And catch yeah. up for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. And and so, um, but that doesn't happen by itself. Right, yeah. Like the person doesn't call themselves. And, and so. Um, I think even a larger obstacle to that is, I think for some reason, social media makes, mm-hmm. is, a, is a major barrier uh, from people intentionally picking up the phone and calling or sending oh. a, a private message personal message if it didn't if it wasn't shown on social media then it didn't happen right right Uh, well i I think too that i because i was talking to someone recently and i said oh you know how's so-and-so doing like oh i don't talk to him that often but i keep up with them on social media yeah so therefore i'm connected (laughs) and it's like i I guess that and you know and i can think back of a couple people in my life where it's like i haven't talked to him in years but because you know, we're both on, on Instagram or whatever, it seems as though we're still connected. Yeah. But if I were to call them right now, I, I wouldn't really know what was going on in their life. Yeah. It seems like social media has widened the connections with people. It's broadened it, but it's made it more shallow. It mm. hasn't deepened it. It's just, just made it a wider, you know, you're connected to a lot more people, but a lot less. The connection is is much more shallow. Well, and then and then folded in too with, um, sort of the divisiveness that social media has presented. Yeah, the algorithms. That yeah, divide the people. world, and, and so it it you're kind of finding these surface level connections that maybe at the end of the day don't really mean anything. Yet people are cutting other people off in their life. Yeah, because. You know, they they said the, you know, they maybe they match up on thirty political ideas, 
but this they said this one thing about this topic and I'm like, oh, yeah, forget that person forever. Yeah, like, well, that's, dehumanize them. Yeah, that's not how yeah. that, that's not how connection, in my opinion, that's not how connection works. Yeah, well, even calling someone crazy, so oh, that guy's crazy. That, see how we dehumanize mm-hmm. the mentally ill. The mentally ill people are are uh, suffering deeply, mm-hmm. and, and so when he's oh that guy's crazy, then you've just written them off as a human being, mm-hmm. and and it's kind of. Yeah, that's the, so that's kind of what I'm talking about. That that's a, a heretical view, if you will. Well, and it's it's funny too because at least in 2021, people will pick and choose, right? So like the one that that I've witnessed recently, well, not recently, but in the last few years, who I'm a fan of, uh, Kanye West, right? Like a popular, oh. like a lot of people, oh, he's crazy. Don't pay attention to him. Yeah. But then um, the gymnast name Biles. Yes. So <laughs> You're showing my ignorance on yeah, so, international sports. So she, you know, Simone Simone Biles, yep. Yeah. She comes out a few weeks ago and pulls out for mental health. Right. So in her case it's a mental health issue, but Kanye West is crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, well, we can't pick and choose like we need to just acknowledge, you know, Kanye West is struggling with a mental health issue. Right. You know what I mean? And so sort of using when the person seems to be on your side saying, Oh, well they have a mental health issue. It's okay. But then dehumanizing the ones that appear to not be on your side. It's very interesting to witness that, yeah. uh, you know, as, as someone that has struggled with mental health stuff and has been called crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, no, we need to allow people if, if, you know, if they are struggling in those ways, we need to to bring them in and and allow them to be part of our community. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and but it's hard. It's not easy. You know, that's that's the other part I I realize is it's easy to dehumanize someone. It's yeah. Hard, it's hard to have empathy. Yeah, because if you have like I do, you know, mentally ill loved ones, they're a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's not an easy thing. Uh, and but sacrificial love is not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. That's why it's sacrificial love. And so, so yeah. Well, and it's, so this is actually a perfect, uh, one of our, our mutual friends, uh, Pastor Nima, I got to see her earlier this week and we, we were talking about communion and she brought up the first time she had seen you present communion. And uh, I don't remember exactly how it was folded in, but, you know, and I've heard you say it multiple times, but Everyone we love, and these are your words, paraphrased, everyone we love is either going to die or leave us. Quoting but, Chuck Palahniuk, the author of Fight Club, yeah. But we love them anyways, right? Yes, and and, yes. and we, knowing that that pain or hurt is part of that deal, we love anyways. Yes. You know, and, and so I think, I think that kind of what you're talking about right now with that, um, I mean, you don't even, in my opinion, you don't even have to preface it with saf- sacrificial love. It just unconditional love, yeah, sacrificial love, love is really all is, that. Yeah. is all um, shuffled into that. Yeah. It's like the Family Affair song by Sly and the Family Stone. The mom <laughs> loves them both. One, one of them's a good guy, great kid. The other one is just someone he'd love to murder. <laughs> but mom loves them both. <laughs> It's a family affair. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, so I, I guess just as we, uh, we still have a few minutes, so, but just sort of transitioning this, this discussion of, of um, blasphemy, blasphemy and heresy and just how do we open up these discussions, right? So the, the conversation we're having today started with this teenager approaching an adult and trying to have a conversation about yeah, how dare he assume that he could have an equal conversation with the speaker. Right. <laughs> and so how do we sort of shift, you know, shift into that with people we disagree with, with people that we we call crazy, with people that we we either see being dehumanized or maybe we're de- dehumanizing them ourselves? How do we step towards that conversation where we're all we're all human, right? And we're all flying through this, this rock in the middle of space. You know, what, yeah. what, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? So, so you're basically, how do we all get along? Is that- <laughs> well, not even, I don't, I don't think that's possible. Yeah. But how do we walk back towards the direction of, of we're all human Okay. Yeah, and we're yeah. all on this journey together? I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have this Pollyannish outlook, right? Right. There's a reality that people aren't going to get along. Yeah. Divisive stuff is out there. There are toxic people. There are toxic people. And each of us have our own levels of toxicity Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, we're all broken. Yeah, because that's popular on social media too. Don't allow toxic people in your life, which is a euphemism (laughs) for anyone I disagree with (laughs) is a toxic person. It's like, no, you might want to look at your own toxicity. Yeah. Yeah. And so so, just how do we walk towards this? rehumanizing yeah. and connecting with even those we disagree with right. right we don't have to we don't have to like everyone but how do we walk towards this idea of of a um global community yeah. i i think there's a profound connection between practicing silence and creating empathy and compassion for others and connection i think there's a paradoxical Connection. So when I spend time in solitude and in silence, um, it increases the capacity within me to be connected to others, people I've never even met. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it increases the levels of compassion in me and mercy, and and uh, and I, and I can't explain how that happens. Right. I, I, I'm not. I don't know. But I know living in community, there are days because of practicing silence with people that I might be in deep conflict with, very personal conflict, mm-hmm. uh, very hurtful conflict with. Uh, and when we sit together in silence, it somehow mysteriously allows the, the Holy Spirit, if you will, to increase uh, empathy for that person. Mm-hmm. And there, there have been literally days where well, there were, there were days, uh, you know, uh, multiple, multiple days and months of just being angry and bitter at, at you know, at someone mm-hmm. for me. And, and then practicing this, you know, the silent prayer and sitting in the presence of God and, and often with the person I was angry with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then waking up one morning and not having those feelings anymore. Mm-hmm. They completely passed through. Uh, and I can't explain why that happened or what, you know. I guess the, the the teaching of Jesus would probably use 
he would use uh, uh, agricultural terms, you know, uh, you weeded as, the garden, you as planted. As Jesus does. <laughs> right, yeah, you planted the seeds of compassion, the seeds of forgiveness, and, and you watered it, and it, and then, a, and then a harvest of fruit came. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that's that's probably what the the teach the, the teaching of the Jesus uh, would be uh, would, would describe it as. You know, uh, you reap what you sow, uh, that kind of thing. So, I, so I, I I think there's a connection between that. So I, I've done meditations outside where I'm sitting in silence. I, I don't mean to say meditation in the sense that this is some uh, heavy duty. Uh, pie in the sky th- kind of thing. I'm just sitting. Yeah, down. literally sitting in silence. Yeah, right. Yeah, and just listening maybe to a bird, listening to the breeze, or uh, trying not to get bit by f- multiple flies. You know, it's. But but I've done this intentionally before, and you know, and a, a droning uh, jet will will go mm. across the sky. Well, there's a human being in that jet, and that jet represents uh, a lot of destruction. In the world, a lot of pain in the world, uh, beginning with uh, Hiroshima, right, and Nagasaki, and uh, and that kind of thing. But there's so there's a human being in that jet that may not represent uh, the greatest values of mm, humanity, right? And so I pray for that person. Can my prayer affect that person? And then in, in affecting that person, for for uh, rehumanizing the human race. Mm-hmm. Uh, could it affect a larger uh, system than just the two of us? And can that system begin to? And so, you know, so those are experiments I've tried. I don't know. I don't know what, if it. No, I, I mean, I, I've had very similar experience with with silence specifically, but even, you know, what you touched on there at the last of prayer, you know, just, just, just trying to have that ripple effect yeah. within prayer. And the other thing that, um, seems to to push me in that direction of of connecting with quote unquote the other is service. Yeah. Right. I feel like this pod our podcast could just be called silence and service. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean and that goes back to the right like um action and contemplation yeah, exactly. center that that yeah. uh, Richard Rohr has. But the inward know, and outward life. Yeah, yeah. And and just um having different experiences throughout my life where someone that seems to be different than me seems to be the other and put in the position where I can be of service to this person. Um, I don't always choose service, but when I do, um, something magical happens, right? Something mystical happens. It doesn't have to be anything big and profound, right? It could just be realizing this person is me and I'm, you know, like... It goes both ways, right? Yeah, we're we're both human, and we, we, you know, the appearance of difference is just an illusion. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're both human beings that that can connect with each other, and um, those those are the humbling reminders that I need. Yeah, on a relatively uh, um, regular basis, for sure. And I'm sure I've said this before, but I from the the words of uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel, the rabbi. Mm-hmm. Deeply impacted my life, uh, or have had a deep impact on my life, uh, which was, you know, he's and he says this in many different ways. It was the theme of his life, and I hope it would be the theme of my life, uh, which is, um, you know, never once did I ask God to make me wealthy or famous or powerful, 
uh, but I asked God for the gift of wonder, and God mm. gave me that gift to be amazed, to be in wonderment, to be uh, enchanted by the most ordinary things. I think that's uh, just a, a tremendous gift of grace that could come upon a life, and to live in that wonder and to walk in it. Uh, and I feel like I, I do uh, to, to at least definitely a deeper extent than I did when I was 25 years old. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, I think that wonder when I'm in awe or wonder, I'm present to the moment. Exactly. You know, and that's how we live a fully present life. Yeah. I, th I think it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a great gift to have. I think, you know, one last thought for me, meditating on, the images of the the big blue marble, the Earthrise mm. photos from the NASA programs, mm -hmm. uh, and and just seeing it, and particularly the, uh, I think it was the Voyager, the the pale blue dot image. It was it was uh, one of the last photos that Voyager took of the Earth, mm -hmm. right? Just uh, suspended a uh, piece of blue dust suspended on a uh, on a dust beam, and. Uh, and, and Carl Sagan's uh, thoughts about it, what he wrote about it, you know, on this on this pale blue dot, every hero, every villain, every saint, every sinner lived out their days, and it's, it's an it's an amazing meditation because it kind of makes things smaller, and so you can enter into it in a, in a deeper way. And and I'm a child of the '70s, so I grew up with the big blue marble and that <laughs> songs in my head all the time, and all the hippies taught us, so we're. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on the right path, baby. Yeah, that's why we're the Xers. <laughs> so you feel good? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I yeah, feel I think, wonderment. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, you know, I think, kind of going out on that idea of the the pale blue dot. Yeah, you know, I think, I think that's that's where we're at today. Yeah, you yeah, know? and and uh, hopefully, hopefully for anyone listening, that that um, awe and wonder and uh, being present can can uh you can step into that today even if yeah. it's just for a couple seconds yeah exactly yeah. well uh everyone thank you for listening to another um desert rain community radio episode dispatches from the verge uh thank you mr morrison thank you mr mason appreciate your insights uh if you're interested in learning more about desert rain community in general um or any prayers or poems that David have, has written in the past, uh, um, theruin.com is a place to check that stuff out. Um, we're also doing, we've been doing a Wednesday night uh, series, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, via, Zoom, via Zoom. So if you're, uh, if you're interested in, in tagging in on that, uh, you can find more information there at theruin.com. DRCRpod.com uh, is where you can find other episodes of uh, not only this series, but also Road to Desert Rain, that uh, people sharing sort of how they uh, ended up here um, at the community. Uh, that What you hear in the background, Monk Drums, that's uh, Jacob Nedia. Thank you, sir, for allowing us to use that. And uh, thank you for your time. Mm -hmm.